the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Bible instead of the Olivet Discourse. I don't know how they, they label it, and my Bible says things to come. You could put on there the tribulation period. The reason we call it that is in verse 19, Jesus said, For those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which God created until now and never shall. Now, it's really not that important what we call it, it's really not that important. What is important is that we understand its concept. And here's where I'm going to just divert a little bit from the text because I realize that some of you have no background of prophecy or very little background of prophecy, and you have to get this to understand Mark 13. Why indeed will God bring suffering upon Israel? After all, they are God's chosen people, right? So why will the suffering come? We will find out the answer to that question in just a little bit. Right now, though, I'd like to welcome you to Verse by Verse, where we hear the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff. Just listening to what Pastor Steve had to say, it sounds like these next sessions will be horribly interesting. I don't mean interesting in that Israel will one day face suffering as they've never known, but interesting as we see what God is going to do to call his people. <laughs> I almost said too much. Before I do, here is Pastor Steve Kreloff. The Olivet Discourse is about a period of time which is commonly known as the Tribulation Period. The Tribulation Period. You could label your Bible instead of the Olivet Discourse. I don't know how they, they label it. And my Bible says things to come. You could put on there the Tribulation Period. The reason we call it that is in verse 19, Jesus said, For those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never shall. Now, it's really not that important what we call it. It's really not that important. What is important is that we understand its concept. And here's where I'm going to just divert a little bit from the text because I realize that some of you have no background of prophecy or very little background of prophecy, and you have to get this to understand Mark 13. The Old Testament prophets wrote about this period of time. They did not call it the tribulation period. That's a good name, but they didn't call it that. They called it, specifically Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, they called it the time of Jacob's trouble. It is a horrible, it will be a horrible time for Israel. It's a time when God once again will turn his attention and his program turn it back to the Jewish people in Israel, and through a series of physical devastations, disasters, natural uh, horrors, 
persecutions and catastrophes. He will bring suffering upon Israel and judgment to the world. Why will he bring suffering upon Israel? Uh, Not only as a judgment uh, upon them, but also to bring them back to the Lord, to bring them to the Lord, we should say. Uh, Israel's sufferings will lead her to salvation in Messiah. And uh, that's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, and then all Israel will be saved. They will be so beaten down and, uh, and, and suffer so that combined with the Spirit of God opening their eyes and drawing them to the Savior, they will finally recognize who their Messiah is and they will embrace him. So this is the time of Jacob's trouble. I'd like you to notice verse 8. Jesus said at the end of verse 8, these things, meaning the things that will take place, are merely the beginning of birth pangs or birth pains. He's talking about labor pains. The, the sharp pains are, are, or birth pains are the labor pains that a woman experiences just before she gives birth to a child. That's the concept here. So as we enter, listen, you, you'll, you'll catch it if you catch this. As we enter the tribulation period, Israel will suffer with labor pains, suffer deeply, compared to a woman in travail. She will suffer labor pains that will lead to the birth of the Messianic kingdom. These pains are not in vain. They are like a woman who's about to give birth. Only Israel and the Lord really is about to give birth out of the tribulation period to his kingdom. The labor pains will give birth to the kingdom. By the way, ancient Jewish writers often use the phrase birth pains to refer to the end times and to Israel. So this is not out of the ordinary. They would understand this. This is the Jewish language. Now, the Olivet Discourse is really about the birth pains in the tribulation period. Or you could say it's the signs that will take place leading up to the Lord's coming. That's what they asked for, didn't they? They said, what is the sign? Well, there really, as as I look at this and study this, uh, there really is no one major sign. There's a series of signs. So you could call it signs of Christ's second coming. You could call it birth pangs or birth pains leading up to the Messianic kingdom. Whatever you call it, understand the concept. We're talking about the tribulation period. Now, I want you to understand, for a very specific reason, the purpose or the Jewish context of the Olivet Discourse. And uh, you may wonder, where is he going with this? You'll find out in a moment. There is a very important lesson here and, to, to, and truth to lay hold of, of the concept the, of the Jewish context of the Olivet Discourse. What we are about to study concerning the tribulation period has absolutely nothing to do with the church. Absolutely nothing to do with the church. The church is not in Mark 13. Christ's Jewish disciples, and this is the context, listen, Christ's Jewish disciples are not asking about the church. Jesus has mentioned the church in Matthew chapter 16. It won't start until Acts chapter 2, well, on the day of Pentecost. Believe me, the disciples don't know anything about the church except Jesus mentioned it. They don't care about the church. They don't know about the church. They're, they don't understand about the church, and they won't for a while, and the church is not in view here. The context is this. Four Jewish men ask the Jewish Messiah about the destruction of the Jewish temple and the establishment of the kingdom promised to the Jewish people. It's not about the church. The suffering of labor pains are Israel's suffering during the tribulation period, and the whole discourse has a Jewish flavor. Let me, let me show you that. He speaks of false messiahs in verse 5 and 6. 
He says to it that, uh, see to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. Matthew makes it very clear that they will, say, that, that they will claim to be the Messiah. That's a Jewish concept. Gentiles often don't think of that. They, they, they usually don't. That's a Jewish concept. He says in verse 21, and then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, meaning Messiah, behold, uh, he is here, do not believe him, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and so forth. Speaking of a Jew in Jewish flavor, notice verse 9, be on guard for they will deliver you up to the courts and you will be, and he's speaking of the religious courts, the Jewish religious courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues. That's a Jewish concept. You don't go to synagogue, it's a Jewish concept. Notice verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, and that those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. The only people who really understand the abomination of, of desolation is those Jewish people who understood the book of Daniel. That's taken right out of, out of the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. So he is speaking to Jewish men in a Jewish context about Israel. He is not talking about the church. I do not believe that Mark 13 has anything to do with the church because by the time the tribulation period begins, the church will be gone. Theologians call it the rapture of the church. The Bible doesn't use that term, uh, but, but that's a good term. The, the term rapture is a Latin word, or comes from a Latin word, which means to snatch or catch away. Uh, we, we use it when we say someone might be enraptured with someone's beauty. Uh, it sort of just takes my breath away. That, that's, how, that's sort of the concept. It, it means to catch away. Before the tribulation starts, the church will be snatched or caught away from the earth. Now, Jesus said, John 14, we, I, I read it in the pastoral prayer, just before the pastoral prayer. Jesus said, I'm going, but I'll come again to receive you, that where I am, there you may be also. This is not referring to his coming back to the earth. This is referring to, uh, to us leaving and him receiving us. This is not talking about us receiving him back on the earth. This is referring to us leaving and he receiving us in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians explains this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. All of this is groundwork so that we can understand the Olivet discourse because there's been a lot of confusion in recent days and years concerning the rapture and the tribulation. I, I want you to be uh, perfectly clear on what I believe this is teaching and what uh, we, we understand this passage to be saying. Jesus first said, the first glimpse that we had of the rapture is John 14. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself. Not I'll come to the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we, Paul says, do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. Now, whenever Paul said that, it's because they were uninformed. Whenever he said that, we don't, he's saying we don't want you to remain uninformed, is what it really means, brethren, about those who are asleep, meaning those who have died. That's just a word, uh, a metaphor for death. That you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. So these people were grieving. And he said, we don't want you to be ignorant. We want you to understand so that you don't grieve as do the unsaved. And let me explain. The Thessalonians have been taught the doctrine of the rapture by the Apostle Paul. They were a church that really um, was taught this, and they were looking forward to the rapture. Notice chapter 1, verse 10. 
And he says, Paul commends them. He said, this is the kind of church you are. You are waiting for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. He said, you are a, a rapture uh, type church. You're thinking of the Lord's, the Lord's coming back for you. So they were very conscious of Christ coming for them to take them home to heaven. But in the process of waiting for the Lord to rapture them, something very disturbing happened to them. Some of their people began to die. Paul says some were asleep. He means they died. And these people, while they understood, uh, they understood something of the rapture, they didn't understand all of it. That's why Paul says, you're uninformed, you're ignorant. So I'm going to explain, he says. They were very concerned that those who died would miss out on the rapture. They didn't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, what would happen to them. Those people who died, they had questions like, uh, would they be left behind, these people? Would they miss out on the rapture? Would they miss out on the resurrection? What would happen? What happens to them now? Questions like that. And Paul's answer is in verses 14 through 18. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who, are, who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And here Paul says, let me tell you the purpose that I wrote this for. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. What he's saying is Jesus, when a, when a believer dies, his body remains, goes into the earth, whatever, but his spirit or his soul goes to be with the Lord. Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So they are spirits without permanent glorified bodies until this time. <clears throat> and at the rapture of the church, which is also a resurrection, Jesus is going to bring the spirits of those who have died in Christ. He's going to bring them back. They have not yet received their permanent glorified bodies. They will be reunited at that time. Paul says those who have died will leave before we do. The dead in Christ will rise first. They're, they're going to have a glorified, resurrected body. It goes first. And uh, someone said, why do, why, does that go for, why do they go first? And I don't know the answer except uh, someone suggested because they're a few feet behind. They're under the earth, so they... You know, we need time to catch up. I don't know if that's the case, but someone said that. So those who have died in Christ, church-age believers, will leave before we do, assuming that we are the generation to be raptured, which I don't know that to be the case. They will rise first, and then we are changed. We will not die. We will be changed. We will, in the twinkling of an eye, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we will receive a new body, a glorified body, which makes us fit. For heaven, you can't go to heaven in these bodies. A glorified body, we, and not just the flesh part. I mean, our whole, our whole uh, way will be changed. We will be sinless at that point. We are changed and given a body fit for glory. Now, the question is, why do I say that the church will not go through the tribulation? That's the rapture of the church. I believe it will take place before the tribulation, and I want to give you a number of reasons I want to give you a number of reasons why I believe that the church will not 
go through the tribulation at all. I don't think we'll enter it. I don't think we'll go through it. I think we're going to be raptured before, and then the tribulation will begin. Let me give you a number of reasons. This is not exhaustive, but I think this should help. Number one, the grief and sadness of the Thessalonians indicates that they expected the rapture before the tribulation period. Follow me for a moment. Had they been taught by Paul that the church would go through the tribulation, they would have been glad that their loved ones died before the horrors of the tribulation. Their attitude should have been then, great, I'm so glad that they died so they don't have to enter into this devastating, terrible time. And it will be. Jesus said there's never been a time like this or, or will be on the face of the earth. So they should have been happy, but they were saddened because they thought they were going to miss out on the glories of the rapture. They aren't glad, they're sad. Think their loved ones are going to miss the rapture. And so the grief and sadness of the Thessalonians indicates that they expected and had been taught the rapture would be before the tribulation period. Secondly, there is no teaching in the New Testament about how the church is to endure the tribulation period. And that's odd. There's general teaching. It's odd unless we understand the church isn't going to be here. There's general teaching about suffering and persecution and, and handling that. But listen, this is a unique, will be a unique period of time. There'll be someone called the beast and his first-hand man, or his right-hand man, the false prophet. There will be a, 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 a number, 666, which will be on foreheads and on hands. It'll be a terrible time. And you would think that if the church was going through this, that God would have given such uh, some instruction, like uh, how to hide food. Or how to go underground or something like that. There's nothing there. Why? Because we won't be here. Number three, the whole movement of the book of Revelation teaches us that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. You may not know this, but the book of Revelation is a critical book understanding prophecy. And uh, when you understand the movements of the book of Revelation, you, you uh, can really be strengthened in your understanding about the, the rapture. Revelation chapters 2 and 3 deal with messages to the church. There are seven churches that, that Jesus addresses, in, seven churches in Asia Minor. Then in chapters 4 and 5, the church is in heaven, uh, represented by some elders. In chapters 6 through 18, we're given details about the tribulation, but we never read about the church in these chapters. Isn't that odd? If the church were here, and you never read about the church... In fact, in chapters 2 and 3, you keep reading a phrase over and over again. Uh, Jesus says, hear what the Spirit says to the church. I want you to hear what the Spirit says to the church. After chapter 3, it's never mentioned again. That phrase is not there. You'll read in Revelation, uh, hear what the Spirit says, but not to the church. After chapter 3, why? Because the church isn't here. Church is not on the earth during the tribulation period. Number 4. The tribulation is about God's dealing with Israel. Israel, in fact, it's called in the Old Testament, it's called uh, the 70th week of Daniel. And you don't need to be concerned about that, but, or that name, but that's what it's called. And that was dealing with Israel. That's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's not called the time of the church's trouble. Time of Jacob's trouble. The church, whether you realize it or not, is a unique group. We are, are a group, or a church is, is a, a, a gap. This age is a gap. In time, God has cut out a number of years 
in history to build something unique. We are not Israel. We are the church made up of, of Jewish people and Gentile people placed into the body of Christ. We are very, very unique. We have the indwelling spirit of God. Uh, we are unique people. We are not Israel. But in the tribulation, God will once again turn his attention and his program back towards Israel. Listen, we, meaning the church, were not around during Old Testament days. There's no mention of the church in the Old Testament because it never existed then. God worked through Israel then. The church wasn't there. When he works through Israel again in the tribulation period, the church won't be here again. God is just very consistent. We're out of here. And he turns his clock once again to Israel. Number five, the purpose of the tribulation is to pour out God's wrath on the earth. But Jesus took our wrath, didn't he? That's what the cross is all about, the judgment of God. And we will not have to experience the wrath of God. First Thessalonians tells us that. I read you before, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 1, verse 10, he delivers us from the wrath to come. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to go through the tribulation period because Jesus has taken the wrath of God for us, and we have believed that. God will not pour out his wrath on us ever. Now you have a handle on these things. You understand when the, you understand the disciples' questions. Let me recap it for you. When will this present age close and the messianic kingdom come? That's the question. You understand that Mark chapter 13 has nothing to do with the church. Mark chapter 13 is about the tribulation period or the signs of Christ's coming or the birth pangs leading up to the messianic kingdom. Now that you understand that, you are ready to study Mark 13. But our time is up. I feel like continued story reading on Keswick, but our time is up. But I guess the best way to, to close this is to say that we all need to be ready. If the rapture were to occur today, and it could occur at any time. See, there are no signs leading up to the rapture. No signs. There are signs leading up to Christ's return. The rapture is different from his return. If the rapture were to occur today, are you ready? Are you ready? Can you say, I know for certain that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I have placed my trust in Christ, and I see the evidence of a transformed character. If there's no evidence of, of Christ's life in you, and by evidence I mean obedience, not just a desire to obey. I think sometimes I emphasize that so much desire to obey, which is true, that maybe people get the impression that you can desire to obey and you don't need to obey. There needs to be some obedience mixed in with a desire to obey. If my children just said to me, Dad, I, I really would like to obey you, and I desire to, I just never get around to it, we have a problem. So there has to be some obedience. There ought to be quite a bit of obedience. If that's not true in your life, then you need to examine it if you are a Christian or not. The rapture were to take place today and you were left behind, that's very, very that's a very frightening thought. Very frightening thought. And you need to be prepared. Jesus is coming. The rapture is coming. When it'll take place, only God knows. No one else knows, in spite of books that tell us they know. No one else knows. Only God knows. But we need to be prepared. And we need to live our lives as if it could happen at any moment. Are you caught up in, in the system? Are you caught up in your work? Are you caught up in your, your retirements? Are you caught up in life on earth? We certainly need to be responsible people, but we need to have our, 
our thinking and perspective and values centered on eternity. Let's bow for prayer. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Only you can answer that. You may be a young person who's prayed a prayer, said the right words. Maybe even you, you go to a Christian school, been to Sunday school all of your life, but you may not know Christ in a personal way. You need to trust him. You may be older, not a child, learning about the Lord. Maybe you've been exposed for the first time to prophecy. Maybe you're a visitor. You need to understand that Jesus Christ loves you and he wants you to come to him. He wants you to be part of his family. And the Bible simply teaches that you must repent. That is to say that you have an attitude of turning from your sin even though there may not be total victory, and there won't be total victory, but it's an attitude of, of turning from your sin and trusting Christ's death for you. He died for you, he loves you, and he wants to be your Savior and Lord. When will this present age close and the Messianic Kingdom begin? That's the question. As we come to the end of today's session, let's remember a few things. We now understand that Mark chapter 13 has nothing to do with the church. Mark chapter 13 is about the tribulation period, or the signs of Christ's coming, or the birth pang leading up to the Messianic Kingdom. Now that we understand, we are ready to study Mark 13, but our time is up, so please plan to join us next time for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. If you have missed any part of our series so far, please go to versebyverseradio.org and click on the Archives tab where you will find our previous lessons. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.